Welcome to The Leaders Who Care, a podcast powered by Dynamis Group. We are here to give the stage and support to those committed to create a positive and lasting impact, way beyond the profits and margins, the leaders of the world who care for others and serve a bigger purpose. Join us on the journey of creating a better, more caring world. And now to your host, Marian Timelkov. Hello, everyone. Today, I'm super excited to welcome a special guest, uh, an international best-selling author, um, a fitness expert, and uh, someone who very dearly cares about our well-being as human beings. Tosca Reno, thank you for joining today. And um, I'm so grateful that you can make it today. But uh, how are you today? Well, thank you so much for that introduction, and I'm so pleased to be here. I think between us, uh, what we want to do is better the lives of people. So I want to just set out and do that with you with all of my heart. Tosca, I would love to hear your story. Um, I, You've been recommended to us as someone who sincerely cares about the well-being and care about us, and you, you kind of helped millions through touching obviously through the everything you've done through your life but I also know that you had to overcome some very difficult moments and huge adversities and um, of course a lot of people don't see that they just see the outside the books the the success but um, would love to hear your story tell us uh, a little bit about Tosca and um, your journey in your own words. Well, thank you. And uh, Marion, I'd love to acknowledge for those listening that, of course, each of us has a story. Uh, and the, the key message before I go into the details is that life happens for us, not to us. So um, I, I came out of adversity in the early chapters of my life, living in a, an abusive relationship with a man who, yes, fathered three beautiful daughters, but uh, at the end of my 30s, I had become obese, weighing over 200 pounds, and was depressed and unwell and didn't see any purpose in my life other than having leaving. So I, I made a plan to go back to school, become a teacher late in life, and leave my then husband and make a new path for myself. And I did all of that without income, without support from him. That was just the way it was. Uh, but it taught me resilience and it opened the door to meeting people who could help me change my life in a very powerful way. And that individual, um, his name was Robert Kennedy, uh, discovered me on the school playground, if you will, and asked me a very simple question, which changed the rest of my life. He said, what are you doing to keep in shape? And I, of course, naively responded, yeah, I'm running on the treadmill, you know, I'm just doing my cardio. And he said, keep that up and you'll just be in the same place a few years from now. You really need to add weight training. And then he issued a challenge to me. He said, if you're willing to have me coach you and teach you and you eat what I tell you to eat and train the way I tell you to train, I will have you ready to compete in a bodybuilding show. 
Uh, wow. I know. I know. So, you know, I, I took up the challenge because it felt to me that the universe had dropped an opportunity on the path in front of me and I would be foolish to resist it. And I, I began, I just dove in with a beginner's mindset and learned the discipline of training, lifting heavy with weights and eating a certain way, which bodybuilders collectively refer to as eating clean. But through the process, what happened was I uh, became com competitive. I won. Um, and then I started to get noticed, photographed for magazine covers, et cetera, et cetera. But the big piece was writing, because what I really love to do was write and share my experience with, with women and men. So I found my voice. I shed my illness along with the weight. And I found my purpose. And again, if I had just translated the abusive relationship into misery, anger, uh, vindication, jealousy, rage, I wouldn't have helped myself. But because I was able to open my head and heart space to the journey, I accepted certain things and became a student. And so that began my beautiful relationship. I married uh, Robert Kennedy. He was my second husband and he be we had a beautiful blended family. And this is where I became, as you alluded to, an international bestseller. I wrote 17 books in the Eat Clean Diet series. You can see some of them behind me over here. Uh, and, um, you know, in, in, in a matter of years, I had sold three and a half million copies of my books. I became a cover girl. I had a TV show. Uh, I was being interviewed all over the place, um, and it was just a stunning, uh, just a beautiful, beautiful meteoric rise, if you will, from a very ordinary, overweight housewife. However, as luck would have it, um, you know, the Cinderella story doesn't last, and we I entered into uh, what I would call the crisis years, and in 2011, uh, I lost a, a child. It was Robert's son, but we co-parented this child and he passed away at the age of 24 in 2011. Robert then himself died. He became my husband, by the way. I should have told you that. Uh, Robert became my husband, but he passed away in 2012 from cancer suddenly. Then in 2013, I was forced to bankrupt the publishing business and lost my livelihood and all the income that went with it and more and more and more. Then I discovered that even personally, you know, the house was leveraged against the bank and there were many, many secrets and betrayals. And in 2014, I basically had a crash. Uh, and so that was an opportunity for me to just wipe away all of those things and emerge anew with different teachings and learnings. And that's who I am today is a woman who's become more relevant as a 60 something woman, understanding the lessons of life and crafting those into guiding lessons to teach to others. Uh, and that's my passion and joy. I'm still, you know, I still teach eating clean. I teach strike sugar. I, I, I lead with my heart and I know that I can make change for people in a positive, beautiful way. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that story, Tosca. It's, uh, this is some, the things that you had to go through. Um, uh, so uh, really, um, it is just transformational. And uh, a lot of people, you know, really deeply get affected and, you know, they may not even recover in, right. in some cases. Um, what, what are the things that really helped you, uh, 
uh, you know, in 2014, because looking at that, that was like really uh, the year that you, you pretty much lost everything that you've built it. Yes, yes. Um, yes, uh, yeah, because the, the penalties of bankruptcy here in this country in Canada are are tremendous. And so I was made to pay for all of the, you know, the creditor issues and so on. But that was besides the point. And in 2014, I learned something very powerful. Um, as I shared in my story, I had learned how to care for my body through eating clean and through exercise. And these were relatively new principles for me. And I crafted the Eat Clean story into a series of books that became known worldwide and actually even created a revolution. And the exercise was beautiful because it gave women of a particular age and age stage, 40, 50 years old, the permission to train their bodies and train hard in a gym and even compete as I had done. But the piece that was missing and was so evident in 2014 was the emotional self-care where my head and my heart space were in such pain, I didn't know how to look after that. And while eating clean and exercise got me to a very solid point, I didn't become overweight, I didn't become out of shape, but I really needed to look and do a deep dive into the emotional aspects of myself and particularly some of the not pretty things that might have landed me in the position that I landed in. So, you know, today, everything I do incorporates emotional self-care as well. <laughs> you know, in uh, what you say about the wellness is not simply an absence of a disease, but it's um, actually, uh, it, the true no, wellness is a dynamic pursuit of the three E's of wellness. What are those? What are the three E's? Yes. The, the World Health Organization defines wellness not as the absence of disease, but the presence of the daily activities that you are pursuing that address how you eat, how you move your physical body, and how you take care or govern your emotional soul. Um, and that really makes so much more sense to me because certainly from the bodybuilding and fitness world, I saw a lot of very ripped bodies. <laughs> they looked healthy. But in their minds and in their hearts, there wasn't any health to be uh, to, to speak of. So that was also a very powerful lesson. Well, this is um, yeah. Now, now I understand, of course, uh, that when people do not um, get all three of them, you know, something will be missing in in the aspect. And what is your what are the things that you do to take care of your well, body and, and eat clean, it's, it's kind of, I guess, you know, it's got a certain practices. We can read the books in that. But what about the emotional self-care? So, yeah, so, so most of us operate, I would say, 95% in a reactive uh, format. In other words, something happens to you, you react, and that's life. But the truth is that if we can become observers of events that happen to us, we gain agency over our sovereignness as an individual to choose to either react or not react, to speak or not speak, to think or not think. And so the great difference for me came through learning how to meditate so that the overwhelm and the pain and the grief could move to a space in my emotions where I could make sense of them. 
Um, you know, I could meditate myself through a place of calm, which is the idea behind meditation to find calm, to hear the subconscious mind speak, to be closer to the self. Um, and I, I didn't understand that initially, but I came to understand it and value it so much. So even today, you know, my morning routine will exist of uh, the first thing I do is I hydrate. It's so important. Then I meditate and I usually meditate for at least 45 minutes. Then I have to create. So write because the writing piece is so important then, uh, you know, and, and on from there. Um, so meditation was key. When I say create, what I mean by that is journal. So I'm, I'm writing in my journal and I have journals everywhere. There's two sitting here beside me now where I can take all the things that are running around in my head and put them on paper. Because when we put pen to paper, we take cloud and thought and make it real through the act of writing. And so for me, that was a really powerful way to empty my head of thought and busyness and overwhelm and come closer to a creative, true self. Wow. And um, a lot of people that are right now overcoming uh, really the adversities in, in, and you really have actually had to do that on several occasions, not just once, um, especially the, the second time. What are the lessons learned? What has helped you most, really? What are the advices you can share with the audience of how they could, if they're currently in a difficult moment of this kind, or really they have gone through, they're not feeling well, what, what do you think they, they can take away from that? Well, first, I extend wholehearted compassion for you because I do understand what it feels like to be in pain and the pain can come from any source and no one other person's pain is greater or lesser than yours. Pain is pain, no matter what the source, the great learning for me was once I could step out of the victim role of, well, this happened to me and COVID happened to me and you took my job and I don't have any money. And so, and so, you know, all of this, once we can step out of the victim role and embrace the notion that we can become victors because we have agency over our thoughts and reactions. This gives us hope and hope is the great human quality that lifts us out of the worst of conditions. If we think of Viktor Frankl, for example, who was in Auschwitz, who wrote the book, man's search for meaning in those times, the worst of the worst, he was able to still retain agency over his thoughts by not reacting negatively to the situation handed to him, but finding the true meaning. And much of the true meaning was he could go back to his love for his wife. Well, for myself, I could go back to the love of the work that I had discovered through learning how to eat clean and through my audience who remains loyal to this day through chapters and chapters and chapters of my life, um, my work, my light, my purpose, and then understanding that each of us, our purpose here on earth really is to incorporate or house light in the body. So we are all vessels of light. And when we invite light in through love and through knowledge and dialogue and sharing, we become 
radiant. You become immune to the fear mongering and the fear and you become immune to hopelessness because when you're rating out this energy, people are drawn to you and now you have a conversation and now you have a bond and now you have a community and loneliness leaves you. So this was the great thing that started happening for me. I was very alone during the bankruptcy process because here in Canada, you have to go dark. So everything for you know a year or two stopped for me. And I was needing support, but couldn't find it and ultimately did find it through meditation, through a meditation circle, through gratitude, through forgiveness, through journaling, and then expressing this as this new layer of guidance for my audience, who all of a sudden were like, Tosca, tell us more. We need to know, yes, how to eat clean. Yes, how to exercise. But what about my broken heart? What about my own pain? How can I handle this? So that's sort of a long-winded answer to your question, but it feels very hopeful this way. Oh, this is um, beautiful. Thank you for sharing. And um, now you just kind of bringing back to really the healthy clean eating and, and good food we have a question here that um is uh, uh, curious you know this is tosca very curious about healthy eating what are some of the biggest myths about food that we're conditioned to believe and uh, how do we take control oh my gosh uh well <laughs> The first thing to understand is that when you walk into a grocery store or wherever you buy your groceries, your food, do not be fooled. This is the biggest myth. Not all of it is food. <laughs> and when I say that, people think, yeah, but it's a grocery store. There's food there. However, in my definition of eating clean, you want to be eating whole, nutrient-dense, minimally processed, well sourced foods because you're eating that food in its entirety and it has nutrients to deliver to you. We are in an experiment right now with food that has gone badly. So since we started processing food, and the first processed food was in the 1940s developed by the Kellogg's brothers with the introduction of cornflakes, which is a processed corn plant-based food, but because it's refined and then added sugar to it, um, you know, it, it has no nutrients to offer. And we've just gone and exploded that whole idea of processed foods, thinking somehow this is going to nourish us. But it's going badly because diseases of cancer, heart disease, blood sugar dysregulation, mental disorders, anxieties, hormonal imbalances, and so on, basically dis-ease is rampant in society so those foods don't help us always look for the clean foods the whole foods the food in its entirety because when we eat an avocado for example you're eating more things than the avocado you're getting fiber enzymes nutrients fats and other things that science hasn't even studied yet so that's myth number one myth number two would be that when a food says no sugar added, that doesn't mean there's not sugar in the food. That means I didn't add any more sugar to what's already in there. <laughs> so there is an onus on you as, as the shopper to look carefully at the labels and match the ingredients 
with the nutrients. And you need to look and say, well, is the sugar that's listed as carbohydrate and nutrients coming from sugar? Or is it from the tomato or whatever else is in that product? Um, and so that's really important to understand. And, and people miss that greatly. Number three is, uh, you know, a real hot button subject for me. And that is sugar and refined sugar and starches. Now, some sugar is good for the body. And I mean, natural sugars from fruit and vegetables, but when it comes in, in grains and dairy, of course, but when it comes to processed foods, there is so much sugar present in food. Here you go. In North America, a hundred years ago, we might have eaten each of us over the course of a year, 20 pounds of sugar. Now we're eating 150 pounds of sugar each. And I am not eating my share. So somebody's getting my load. And we haven't seen the rates of blood sugar uh, metabolic disturbances that we're seeing. It's just absolutely cataclysmic. And yet many of these diseases are diseases of diet and can be corrected through changing what you put in your body. Wow. Well, um... What is the recommendation, Tosca? Which book we should uh, study in more details out of the 17 books you've written? Um, I think a good one, and I sort of call it the Bible, is the Eat Clean Diet Recharged. It is published in Italian and in German for those of you listening in broader countries, also in English. Um, and also if you go to toscarino.com, you can find all my programs there like strike sugar, which is an online program. And I'm welcoming, uh, you know, people from all over who are enjoying the process of doing this four week cleanse to get sugar out of their diet. And it's amazing what's happening over there on my uh, clean living Facebook page, people are transforming and that's powerful. Wow, that's amazing. And when you said it's in Italian, and of course, Toscarino very much links to the Italian, is that what are the roots that you have? Are they happen to go back to, to Italy? No, I, not at all. In fact, uh, my name is Italian because my parents loved Puccini's opera, Toscanini. Oh. Uh, but, I, but I'm Dutch. I am Dutch uh, from southern uh, Netherlands. So... <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, you've got obviously the, the roots to the old continent. Very <laughs> much so. In that. But no, thank you for sharing that. It really means it's really helpful because I think um, what you just put into perspective, uh, uh, that it feels like a, an experiment in a way, you know, because, yeah. you know, it's so nice to go and look at all this beautiful packaging in the, sh in the store and it's mm -hmm. tempting, they're tasty, they're, you know, full of sugar design. And what you just yeah. mentioned, it's more than seven times increase of our sugar intake uh, from 100 years ago. It's, it's catastrophic. And we haven't even seen the worst of the experimental outcomes. They're, they're revealing themselves now. Sugar, excess refined sugar is uh, the basis of most cancers. But we also are seeing changes in our teeth in our sinuses, mm -hmm. in our eyes, in our brains, because when we eat too much sugar, it changes everything about the human structure. Uh, and so we haven't even seen the worst of it. And it's going to take, if we begin this process now, it's going to take 400 years to correct the damage that's happened, which is a significant number of generations. Uh, and that's, that's a lot of work. 
Well, I guess you you have done some research on that topic uh, to to kind of uh-huh. really see see the the impact on uh, the generations. What you mentioned, because what yes. you're saying it's it's not just uh, you stop eating, well, start eating clean today, yeah. but but it's so. What would be your advice to really someone who's actually is not reached that stage yet right. of uh, being unwell and unhealthy, but it may be a bit of overweight, may not be satisfied with their body. Uh, clearly, it could be now you're revealing, could be a lot of the reasons maybe underlying. What are the things that, you know, they could take an action right away in order to yes. get in shape? So, so practically speaking, let's look at the three components of wellness as defined by the World Health Organization the what you're eating, how you're moving your body, and your emotional self care. And I'd love to just address. Let's start with an emotional recognition, a feeling within you. I'm not happy how I am now. I acknowledge that I got this way because of COVID or whatever pain is happening in my life, but I'm going to accept it, write it down in my journal, and I'm going to now make change. So today is the last day of me being me this way. Tomorrow is a new day. And I think it's very important to emotionally set that feeling in your body because where your emotions go, you go. So then you will begin simply, it's it's my simplest piece of advice is simply to drink more water. Uh, Water is a global nutritional deficiency for most of us. And that is thanks to the amount of sugar we eat. Sugar is a very thirsty ingredient. Uh, Whether you're drinking it or consuming it, you need twice as much water to offset uh, the liquid from that sugary base. So, uh, drink more water. I, I shoot for three liters a day if possible. Um, and even that alone, uh, you know, emotional set point change. I accept where I am. I forgive myself. I'm moving on. I'm going to drink more water. Simple thing doesn't cost anything, something you can measure easily. And number three, simply add movement in the way of walking And if you can gauge it by, you know, with your phone, by measuring steps or your Fitbit or whatever piece of technology that helps you to not be sedentary. Um, And movement actually is a physical gift. And if I may share a story, um, the child who passed in 2011 was Robert's son, Braden, and he was 24 years old. And he passed from the catastrophic outcome of being hit by a car. And he could not move. He was confined to a wheelchair from the time of the accident at the age of 11. So I took my privilege of being able to move as a responsibility and a gift. And I never took it for granted. And so when I competed, when I trained, when I lifted, when I did triathlon, when I swam, when I ran, I carried the knowledge that I was the privileged one that I could move and therefore I should. And also there is an, um, a biological need for us as human beings to move to foster wellness in the brain. There's a powerful book called Spark, the mm-hmm. revolutionary science behind exercise in the brain. And that book shares really why the, the movement that is so necessary for health is critical. So if you're interested in doing a deep dive on that, I, I highly recommend the book. Um, but in short, to say that there are very practical things you can do right now, this minute to make make huge change. And 
I, with regard to the water, for example, I put a, a young man who couldn't commit to anything else because he was 300 pounds, like just a very, very heavy man. I put him on just a regimen of drinking three liters of water, which meant that he took the Coke out of his diet because all that had to go. And he lost 100 pounds in a year. So a lot is possible. A lot is possible if we just have a look and make those very practical changes. Oh, thank you. It's, that's awesome. And um, it is, we have another very interesting question because as you just talked about the brain and, and this is what I want to bring to you here is how much does food affect our cognitive and decision-making abilities? And what would you recommend leaders who are always busy to pay attention to uh, what they eat? Okay. So the first thing is food, nutrients have an undeniable effect on the body, whether you're talking about your brain, whether you're talking about your organs, your digestion, your sexuality, your humor, your anything, uh, because nutrients are the fuel drivers within the body that make life possible. For example, if you don't get enough salt, and I mean salt like pink Himalayan salt, your adrenals will go into a crisis mode because the adrenals need salt as a tonic. So it's been a big mistake to say don't eat salt. Now, I might say don't eat refined salt, but I would say eat the pink salt or the Celtic salt or the gray salt or the Hawaiian salt. That is actually food. So to, to say, you know, carte blanche across the table, fat is bad, salt is bad, that is not the full story. Understanding that food in its whole format nourishes all of us. Now, to point out what happens to the body when you eat refined sugar, and I told you we're eating, you know, 150 pounds of sugar a year. If you eat even so much as a teaspoon of refined white sugar, refined white flour, refined starch, um, your immune system is basically wiped out for five hours. Wow. So that means that when you're exposed to a virus, it doesn't matter what kind, the door is open. The body has no chance. So to not understand the connection between food and bodily function is, is a mistake. So it's good for you to point that out. Now, the key for those of you who are listening and asking, well, I'm busy, I don't have time to eat. The key is protein. The key really is protein because the body can make carbohydrate out of protein when it releases it from the liver. The body can needs to have fat. It can't make its own fat, so you need to add fat. And, of course, complex carbohydrates from fruits and vegetables round out the nutrient value of what you're getting because you need vitamins, minerals, and fiber. But most people, particularly women, are underserved in, in protein. So that explains why, as they get older, you're seeing muscle wasting. You're seeing mm -hmm. the, the round belly and the very stick-like legs because there's something very, very wrong with the nutrient balance within the body. So I like to say, if you eat clean, you're basing your bodily health on science called thermogenesis because the addition of protein at every meal, four to five smaller, five to six smaller meals over the course of a day with protein, with fat, healthy fat, and with complex carbohydrates, that causes thermogenesis, that causes the greatest, most efficient burn of fat and fuel in your body. And it causes you to build a healthy protein-based 
body. So that would be my advice. Well, this has been so helpful. Thank you, Tosca. It's just, uh, this is, uh, I'm personally very passionate about it because I think um, the food is our fuel. And if you put a good fuel, you know, you'll be able to have more longevity. You know, it, as you mentioned, it, it affects your performance in every aspect. And uh, especially in current moments, uh, just yes. focusing on getting that good nutrition, good food, we improve uh, uh, significantly your chances to overcome difficulties, if adversary, emotional. And, and I didn't even realize that within just a single small spoon of sugar, your immune system is wiped up for five hours. Now I understand, you know, when when actually uh, diseases and viruses comes along, you know, make sure that. <laughs> Yeah. Do not and, add sugar. <laughs> and if you think if you think about it, uh, you can sort of do the math on that for yourself because around Christmas time, our consumption of well, from Thanksgiving to Christmas time, our consumption of sugar goes up dramatically for most people because you're indulging in sweets and alcohol and chocolate and cookies and cakes and candies. And isn't it true that people get generally get sick with some kind of cold or flu around Christmas time? And that's proven out by this idea that sugar wipes out your immune system. Oh, absolutely. Tosca, you, you've done a lot and you've gone through a lot of very difficult moments. But more importantly, what excites you in these days? What are the things that you personally feel um, energized? What gives you motivation? <laughs> well, it, I'm extremely motivated by the idea that each of us has agency over our health. In other words, we can ha harness the power of our own healing simply by understanding that there's a clean foods and modern foods. So just that simple difference can change completely your outlook on life, your your hopes and dreams to be healthy and and flexible and well long into your days um so that that excites me <clears throat> uh also you know in a strange way COVID excites me because i think it's forced communities to reach out in this way that we can reach out through technology and share our voices across a planet that is hungry to make change so while it certainly has its hardships and I honor and respect that people have lost loved ones and that is always pain, that there is a great deal of hope for us to put this healing at work within ourselves. Um, and again, through the technology to be able to access the information that we need to be able to do that. So Marion, thank you for this and for inspiring people to, to be hungry and to seek it out. It's, it's a sincere, that's something that, comes from the bottom of my heart and and um even if we touch one person you know we've we've, we've lived we've made a difference so i'm grateful yes. for the fact that we are well and healthy and we can actually have this conversation today what is your view on the care culture Tosca? you've helped a lot of organizations you really doing so much and to help others I think we're coming to a point in the care culture, which unfortunately in many places is disease culture. I think we're coming to a point that there are so many enlightened people who see that disease culture, disease-based economy is not good for the planet, that we're beginning to move the needle on understanding that we can be, we can govern, we can have agency over our own wellness. 
Um, and so I feel that that's really powerful. We're, we're definitely people are exploring wellness on their own terms. That's why this wellness industry has exploded the way it has. Um, and also to be very sure that when you are seeking the information to know that it comes from a credible source. Now, I never claim that I'm a doctor. I am a nutritional therapy practitioner. I have a science degree, I have an education degree, 20 years of anecdotal experience, et cetera. Uh, I'm a student of nutrition and fitness. Um, but I will never tell you that I can heal or fix you. You know, that's something the doctors will do. However, I can, and remember the concept about opening ourselves to become vessels of light. I can share my light with you so that you can make significant changes in your life so you can feel better. So there's a, there's a lot of promise there. And um, I think that's very exciting because there are times when, you know, when the news about cancer and heart disease is, is blowing around and you just think, oh my God, I, that's going to be me. And it definitely does not have to be you. You have agency over your wellness. You can make a difference. And you can start today with those three simple strategies that I shared. I love that. When you say agency, you what what do you imagine over, over your wellness? How, agency. So the decision to look at what you're eating, the decision to consume differently, to eat say locally, to eat heirloom foods, to eat more fruits and vegetables from the source, um, agency over your body. Well, I am an agent of my own physical physicality. So let me go out and I will work in my garden and I will walk and I will ride my bicycle and I'm going to swing a kettlebell around. I have agency over my thoughts. How do I best serve that agency? I need to meditate so I can sit still with myself and become in contact with my subconscious mind to know myself truly. I have agency to express my thoughts in this way. If I write them down, I get clarity. I have agency over gratitude and forgiveness practices. If someone needs to be forgiven in your life, understand that that unexpressed forgiveness remains as negative energy in your body contributing to disease. Who do you need to forgive today to make significant change in your energetic vibrational space? Um, who do you need to say thank you to? What do you need to say thank you for? Many things, even if you are struggling with COVID, fresh water, clean air, clean clothes, you have a roof over your head, you have somebody to help you. Um, we have agency over our thinking, over our expression of these thoughts. That's what I mean by agency. No, thank you so much for clarifying. This is what you, we are um, the kings of our souls and everybody yeah. can be a leader of at least themselves. So basically, exactly. uh, there's also someone said to me a very interesting saying, if you don't have a plan, <laughs> you'll follow someone else's plan. And uh, yeah. whether, whether that is, you know, for good or bad, it's not a problem if you follow someone else's plan, if that gives you great uh, satisfaction and well-being but not when your body is at stake not when your health is at stake not when obviously your well-being and and physical activities at stake so that's a great lesson and advice uh, take care take control take agency as you say of your uh, of yourself and yes. um, final question Oscar and thank you for sharing those insights um, what is your vision for a better future I see 
a better future as one in which we, again, understand the fact that we have agency over our wellness, that we don't need to depend on the medical system to heal us. We have this capacity within us. And that once we are able to understand that concept and begin to practice it, we will actually become a, a, a greater, higher expression of ourselves. And when that happens, I see each of us leaning on each other in smaller communities and circles to create better circumstances for each other, rather than trying to race down the highway in the best car and you don't care about the other guy who doesn't have a car at all. Um, and I think that we can only get to that state if we eat high vibrational foods, which I'm talking about, uh, you know, as clean foods. And uh, when we, we govern our physical house in the way that I've suggested, this is our sovereignty, sovereignty, we should stand in our sovereignty, and we should embrace this idea of community and acceptance of all and and peace with with Gaia, because we are connected to Earth, we are vibrationally just a part of Earth. And we, we are vessels of light. We are expressions of hope. And each of us on this planet has a powerful role to play. You didn't get here by accident. You got here out of a creative impulse. You, you got here out of, you know, basically, you know, the, the act of orgasm, but the creative impulse to be present. Thank you, Tosca. This has been a, oh, what a great, thank you for giving us really, um, that you know letting us closely to really learn about your story and and really serving the world and giving so much back in return um where people could find you what is the best Great. way to get in touch with you it's it's very easy tosca reno uh that's my website those are my handles on facebook and instagram and pinterest tosca reno t-o-s-c-a-r-e-n-o and I'm very good about responding to questions. So if you do have something specific you'd like to know more about, please reach out and reach me at support at toscarenomedia.com. Awesome. Thank you so much um, for making the time and being a, a leader who cares. Thank you, Tosca. Thank you so much. So much. My, my passion truly is your wellness. So uh, thank you. And thank you for this opportunity. I'm so very grateful. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Find out more about the leaders who care across the main social media channels and help us spread the care culture in your own community, first by taking care of yourself and then of others around you. It all starts with one person, one act of kindness. What is one thing you can do today to make your environment better? Stay inspired and stay caring. See you next time.